Fun Factory.com has partnered with Locker Room Talk and Shots. So when you use my special code, SELS20, you get 20% off your Fun Factory purchase. Just head to us.funfactory.com and use my code, SELS20, at checkout for 20% off sex toys, lube, massage oils, and more. Cheers. Do the sex. Hi, this is Annette Benedetti, your hostess for Locker Room Talk and Shots, the podcast that likes to think of itself as the queer NPR of raunchy women's sex talk. You are about to sit in on the kind of conversations women have on their girls' nights out or behind closed doors while enjoying delicious drinks and dishing about sex. Think fun, honest, and feminist as fuck, and always with the goal of fighting the patriarchy one female orgasm at a time. Welcome to the locker room. <laughs> Ring loop. Today's locker room talk topic is how to have incredible sex with trans and non-binary folks. That's everything from sex talk to positions and sex toys. We're covering it. And I'm here with my guest, Jay Barlow, who joined me in the past, um, on a past episode we call Transitioning to the Bedroom. Jay, let's remind the folks what that podcast was about. Could you? Yeah, absolutely. Hi, I'm Jay. Um, basically, I was lucky enough to join Miss Annette last time, and we were able to talk about kind of some basics, some good foundational information to kind of get under your belt whenever you're looking to take that relationship with the trans person in your life, whether they're a trans binary identity or a trans non-binary identity, when you're ready to transition back into the bedroom and kind of explore things from there, see where that journey takes you. Yes. And Jay, will you take a moment to introduce, reintroduce yourself to the listeners? Absolutely. I am a trans non-binary person who likes great sex. Uh, I use they, them pronouns. I'm a therapist down in Texas. Um, big advocate for the queer community. Um, all of my research in undergrad and graduate uh, programs have been in like mental health and the intersectionality with like trans and queer individuals. So this is kind of my home base, especially as somebody who thoroughly enjoys good sex. And so we are very lucky to have you here as a guest and to help me navigate this, uh, this conversation because this conversation is also new for me and it's a great opportunity for me to learn about something I've been incredibly curious about. I've been very open about it in my personal life. Um, I have not had the opportunity to date or have sex with be intimate with a non-binary or trans individual. I'm now newly single. So my future may hold that opportunity. And so I'm very excited to not only educate myself, but my listeners. So thank you, Jay. I really appreciate it. Uh, Jay will also be writing articles for She Explores Life. So you can head over there and um, there will be some guides written by them for all of us to refer to post listening to episodes. Um, the drink for today, it is midday and um, Jay uh, doesn't, you don't, you're, you don't drink, correct? Alcohol. Correct. Yeah, I'm sober. Um, actually, in a couple of weeks, it's going to be my two-year um, sober birthday. 
Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And I am more than happy to join them in a cocktail that is actually a mocktail, and it is a cranberry Cosmo. So let's get started. Let's raise our glasses. And thank you so much for being here, Jay. Cheers. Now, let's talk about sex. I've been super excited about this conversation. I have so many questions. And I think a lot of people do. And I love having this opportunity to sort of start building an edu- a sexual educational base for people who may identify as cis and want to, you know, have relationships and have great sex with trans and non-binary folks. So I am going to kick it off by talking to you about starting with, I think, the first question that comes to my mind should I be blessed with the opportunity to bang a trans person? I worry a lot about the language around sex. Like, you know, depending on who I'm fucking, but let's say I am fucking a cis heterosexual dude, ultra masculine, and we're fucking and we get into dirty talk. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to suck your cock or shove your cock up my whatever. These are things that, I mean, I would not say it in that voice. (laughs) (laughs) I would make it a whole lot sexier. But you know what I'm saying? You get into dirty talk and there are just certain things that like when I'm with a woman, I refer to her uh, vulva. I may call it a pussy or I may, you know, when I'm sexy talking to her. Um, So this is where I want to start the conversation with you. Obviously, with trans people, some um, have, I'm sorry, why is it slipping my mind? Reconstructive, or what do they call Gender reassignment surgery. Is that what they call it? Mm-hmm. So um, You either refer to it as like gender reassignment or a gender affirmation. Gender affirmation. I like gender affirmation. So yeah. I think I like that better. Um, meaning that for the folks listening, that sometimes a trans woman will have, and I know very little about what that surgery looks like, but they will have their penis turned into a vagina, correct? Turned into a pussy? Yeah, that would be, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be, um, a vaginoplasty. Mm-hmm. There's, I'm not super versed on the actual medical procedures. Um, mainly because that's not something that I've ever wanted to pursue personally. Right. But from my understanding of it, basically they kind of just invert everything. Right. Turn your Audi into an innie. <laughs> yeah. I was reading a, a little bit about that and, um, it's pretty fantastic. Um, in the similarity of the end result, um, yeah. looking exactly like a cis woman's. Pussy or very close, you know, whatever. Our, our pussies look all different. Like, I don't even know how that can be a thing. I'm constantly surprised when I meet a new pussy. I'm like, whoa, all right. So I don't know why, you know, we would be as concerned about the visuals of anything because I mean, and I know I've seen a whole lot of cocks that look vastly different, but then the opposite <laughs> for a trans man would be then that a, um, a cock is built. Correct? Yeah, phalloplasty. Phalloplasty. Okay, never have heard that. Phalloplasty. Um, so I don't know. In those situations, Jay, do you know is the the language around that? Is it similar? You would just then refer to it as a pussy and a cock. 
So a lot of this is going to be like individual conversations that you have with your sexual partner. Um, I usually operate under the idea of if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, call it a duck. (laughs) I love that. That's actually easy. See a pussy, say a pussy. But also that's, that's a good general rule of thumb. But whenever you start dealing with individuals who have um, more androgynous bodies or they present in one way and they're at least you believe their sex body Mm -hmm. is what I like to refer to it as um, presents in a different way. So like for me, a lot of the time I present very femme um, dresses Mm -hmm. most days, um, full face of makeup and stuff, but I'm assigned male at birth and I still identify with my male body. Right. So I still like my penis called a penis, cock, dick, whatever you want to call it. Right. But I know a lot of people, even if they haven't gone through a medical transition yet, um, they do want their penis then referred to as like a clit or something. Right. So it, I usually say it's kind of a safe bet to what it looks like. Call it if that conversation has not been had, mm-hmm. but the safest way is always to just have that conversation and say like, Hey, whenever I talk dirty to you, can I call your whatever a whatever? And mm-hmm. you don't even have to necessarily like stick to stereotypical dirty talk, like get creative. Yes. Yeah. And I think that that is, it's part of a whole new language that is evolving. And I don't have, again, I don't have a lot of um, experience with it, but I'm fascinated with it. I think it's an exciting um, evolution and learning how to talk in ways that are um, different than we have. I mean, how can that not be exciting, right? I don't, I just like new things and, um, especially when it comes to sex talk, because I would say in some ways the cis heterosexual sex talk can be pretty worn out, overdone and a turn off at times. Um, example was me saying, shove your cock in my whatever. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um, all right. So ask the language around different body parts, you know, maybe different. I like see a pussy, say a pussy. I just want that on a (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt. But with people who haven't necessarily gone through um, gender affirmation surgery, they may not want their, what appears to be their penis called a penis. They may want to refer to as a clit. And the best way to know is to ask. Is that yeah. fair summary? Yeah, absolutely. And it saves like, I feel like the biggest barrier to get to the point where you feel like you can just have this conversation like in a blunt manner that's respectful is, oh, well, I don't want to sound stupid. Mm-hmm. Well, if you ask beforehand, you don't even have to worry about getting into a situation where like you're in the middle of it, heat of the moment. Oh, I want to suck your cock. Oh, actually, no, please don't refer to it as that. You can say, like, I want to suck your clitty. Yeah. Because then that can also kill the moment. So now you not only prevent feeling stupid in the moment, but you prevent, like, dampening the mood in the moment. Having to have that conversation in the moment is never fun. And I think even one thing that I have learned as I've become more empowered in my own sexual situations, like, even though I totally believe in, like, in the moment vocalizing if something's not working for you, it's very hard on both ends to do that in Mm -hmm. a way that doesn't like make someone feel awkward or someone feel a little 
little dumb and like shy away and flinch back. You know, I've even been in situations where my partner has stopped me or said, don't do that. And I can't help but like that ego, that sexual ego inside yeah. of you just has that moment of, Ugh. Um, so I think finding a way to have that sexy conversation up front, like who doesn't like sex talk and, um, what's sexier than talking about each other's body parts, you know? And it's so easy. Like when you're having that conversation for it to all of a sudden get even sexier yeah. because that's whenever it can turn into, oh, okay, well you're telling me that like, okay, when I'm deep throating you you're still getting some of my teeth in the back and I can't do anything about that. Right. But you like it when I do this. Oh, so you like it when I do this. Oh, you want me to do this. Yeah. And so it, it can super, like it can turn into a quick slip and slide into fun time. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's true. I think more emphasis in sexual interaction should be put on the talking. I think in the media and and people have this idea that sex is supposed to be this thing that just like, you just jump into because you're so passionate and you don't talk and you rip each other's clothes off. And that really is the conventional presentation of passion. But I think for me across my life, and I think for so many people, that passion is really sparked through language and connecting and talking. And there is, uh, we've done a podcast on sex talk. There is nothing that can get someone going and getting hot more than a good sex, sexed, sexed session or, you know, sex talk. So, um, can you share, uh, maybe are there, is there terminology around body parts that cis people who aren't familiar with trans, uh, the trans experience? They may not know different terms that are used in the trans community for, uh, sexual body parts or, yeah. There aren't really any like standard ones. There are ones that are commonly used, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't say that like, oh, well, if you see this, then it's always this kind of deal. Mm -hmm. But um, like w one really common term is for a trans woman or a trans non-binary femme person um, who presents super femme in just about any way, but still has a dick and wants their dick. They'll a lot of the time refer to it as girl dick or lady dick. Lady dick. Girl mm -hmm. dick. I like that. I like that for so many different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> I always talk about my big dick energy. I want a lady dick. Hmm. I mean, anybody can have a lady dick. Yeah. Well, I do know I was, I have, have my token lesbian guest that comes on, Courtney, uh, and talks about the lesbian experience with me a lot. And, um, I believe it was with her. We had this conversation. Oh, Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was some with a woman I was having sex with who actually liked to use her clitoris like a cock. Like, oh no, maybe, yeah, in scissoring where the clits are, you know, coming together, like the feeling of almost your clit going inside another woman. That's like yeah. lady dick, man. I'm just saying. Yeah. That sounds like lady dick to me. God, I like that. Term. I mean, that definitely does sound like lady dick or girl dick. Doesn't it? I mean, another reason why people use that term is because with um trans people who still have penises that go on estrogen um specifically like standard doses it's a little bit less common with microdosing um 
but their penis starts to feel a little bit different. Right. It maybe doesn't get as hard, but it'll still get hard, maybe not hard enough for penetrative sex, um, which there are ways to counteract that. Um, but then the skin can also start to feel softer. It can feel a little bit thinner and more sensitive. Um, so that, that skin can start to feel a little bit more like the skin that would be on the clitoris. And so that's also why they start to kind of shift it to say, oh, this is lady dick or girl dick. Right. And so in that case, uh, scissoring is probably still a really hot thing to do because from what I read, and I'm going to allow you, of course, or ask you to talk um, to me a little bit more about the changes that can happen with what's called, um, what is the hormone? What is the hormone therapy called again? Gender affirming hormone therapy. Gender affirming hormone therapy. Uh, Jay and I talked about this a little bit in, va- in advance. If you scroll back, you can refer to, uh, I did a podcast on menopause and sex. I'm currently on hormone replacement therapy. And so I wanted to make sure we clarified the difference between what I'm doing, which is adding back in hormones to my body and what happens during um, a gender affirming journey. Huh. Yeah. Look at me. You're getting all those vocab <laughs> words right. I like, I like, um, I like the term gender affirming because I feel like, you know, the non-binary and trans people in my life who I love so much, that is what they deserve the most is to have that affirmation of this is you say this is your gender and I want to do everything possible to affirm that. Of course it is. You know, your body, you know, your sexuality, you know, your gender better, better than I do. Who the fuck am I to tell you? So (laughs) I like that term. Um, but yeah, so I do want you to talk a little bit about that more in depth, but what I was kind of thinking about in that moment was something I had read is that um, trans women who still have what was a penis um, and they now refer to as a clit or as a lady, a lady dick, um, it sounds like the added hormones will make it sensitive. So it's basically a huge clit, which kind of makes me jealous. <laughs> so it, <laughs> it becomes that skin, I guess it, it like, I, I don't, I think they said maybe it thins a little bit or something. It becomes mm-hmm. really sensitive. So, I mean, scissoring with them would be like amazing. <laughs> That's like you would think, right? Um, but Maybe that's something you can speak to a little bit. The when trans people are on hormones, can you talk a little bit about the changes that take place? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we have some pretty drastic differences whenever you start to compare um, trans women and trans men. And whenever I say like trans women and trans men, that also includes individuals who are non-binary and are like trans mask, trans femme, or just non-binary and still on hormones. Um, so for me personally, I'm microdosing estrogen. So standard doses are usually somewhere between, uh, like four to eight. Two is usually like the minimum milligrams that you'd start out with, but they started me out on one milligram of estrogen. So like I'm on a, I basically lick an estrogen pill mm. and that's enough for my body. Right. Um, and with respect to my journey, it might bump up to two milligrams, but chances are, even if it does, it's not going to go above that. So the changes that are going to happen in my body are 
still going to be different than that of the changes that would happen with somebody who is a trans binary identity. But I'm just going to, unfortunately, because it's easier, lump them together in kind of estrogen takers and testosterone takers. Yeah. So for people who are taking testosterone, usually they'll start to see a difference of um, maybe the vagina won't get as wet. And maybe that's whenever you could start using some more lube. Um, the clitoris will usually start to enlarge and it'll usually enlarge in comparison a good bit from the starting point. Mm. Um, that can kind of lead trans men to needing to shift from um, like stereotypical quote women's underwear or even men's briefs to something a little bit looser. And kind of the inverse happens with trans women who have penises. They're, um, penis does not really get or it does not at all get bigger usually what will happen is it does not get as hard if it does get as hard it does not stay as hard for as long um sometimes it won't even be able to get hard enough for penetrative sex but that skin will start to get thinner the skin will get softer the uh, gland of the penis will start to get very sensitive so they both kind of start migrating towards this like intersectional point where the penis is starting to move towards a vagina, the vagina is starting to move towards a penis and Mm -hmm. they both kind of land somewhere in the middle. Um, So whenever you start to get somebody who is a little bit further on hormones, because these changes take time to happen. I mean, most um, changes like soon and quick changes that you could see on hormones would be about three months. Three months is considered the point where what has happened after three months, some of them are going to be permanent. Like you should consider yourself sterile at that point. Right. Um, um, the largest m- changes. When you say sterile, mm-hmm. is that for both? Uh, oh, that's usually for, um, it can be for both and it usually will lean towards both but that very specifically is towards um, people with sperm okay after three months on estrogen usually their sperm is infertile and will stay infertile so for me that's just an added bonus even though (laughs) neither my partner nor i have the ability to carry a child right that's just an added bonus right right so those changes then not it affects how you're going to want to handle, touch, play with, have sex with those body parts, depending on what the individual wants. And then, you know, where they're at in the hormone, the gender, oh man, I can't remember the, the their right, hormone gender. journey. <laughs> their gender. Yes, yeah. You can just call it the hormone journey. <laughs> hormone. I'm on one. Um, How's this? Everybody's on God, a hormone journey. Aren't we all on a fucking hormone journey? Oh. Um, I, yeah, I found it really interesting reading about that and that my understanding is even with a trans woman who is still has their penis is still going, uh, taking the hormones. And even though they may not be able to get hard, they can still get off, correct? Through stimulating. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think there's this idea that if what, was considered a penis at one point suddenly becomes non-penetrative, then it's not going to be able to be pleasured to orgasm. That's not true, is it? No, absolutely. That was one of the um, biggest concerns that I had whenever I was starting to think about going on um, estrogen is, okay, well, I'm at a point where I love the sex I'm having. My partner and I are having the best sex we've ever had. For both of us, it is the best sex we have ever had. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, well, I don't want this to change. Like, 
at what point will this effort to reduce my dysphoria bring more dysphoria? And so there's this big, as you said, stereotype that whenever you start to get on the quote opposite hormones that would be assigned to you at birth, that you start to get all of this dysfunction. And even whenever you do get dysfunction, there's ways to work around it. So if you're a trans woman who does like to talk, but you're noticing I can't really get hard enough or my erections don't last long enough, they do then start to prescribe medications like uh, Viagra. And that's kind of a way where you interact that. Right. Let's, um, before we move on, because I want to get in, our next step is I want to move into talking about, um, you just brought up a trans woman topping. And so get it, I want us to get into the actual sex conversation, having sex, banging, bringing those body parts all together for orgasm. Um, but before we move on, you brought up dysphoria. Um, so I think a question that might come up is like, well, why would someone take the hormones if they still want to use their cock in the way that it was used prior to that? And you brought up that you're using it to, um, you know, alleviate that feeling of dysphoria. So before we take a real quick break, um, can you please explain that to people? Like, why, if you aren't looking at having, um, that gender gender affirming surgery or and you still plan on keeping you know your cock your cock why would you take hormones um i I think that would be a great something for you to speak to we'll be right back my code s-e-l-s-20 is your key to kicking off the sexiest new year ever had when you use it at funfactory.com. Enjoy 20% off Fun Factory's luxury products, including vibrators, cock rings, lube, and more when you use my code s-e-l-s-20. Check out the Vim vibrating wand. Yes, the one featured on this podcast thumbnail. Grab the nose vibrating cock ring and experience more simultaneous orgasms in 2024. And don't forget to check out their rabbit style vibes. I'm talking about the lady by for toe curling blended O's all year long. Just fill your cart and use code SELS20 at checkout and enjoy 20% off when you shop funfactory.com. Cheers. Yeah, that was that. Um, was having to deal with those thoughts because there isn't that research and that educational component out there and available to people. Um, so going into it, I was like, well, I never thought estrogen was for me because by and large, I was okay with my body. There was still a good amount of things about my body that made me dysphoric, but can you define dysphoric? What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. Dysphoria would be, um, so whenever I use the term dysphoria, I'm referring specifically to, um, the clinical, uh, gender dysphoria. Um, which is in the DSM-5, um, and I think they might have made a few adjustments to it with the new DSM-5-TR. Um, but basically what that is, is that's whenever you're looking at your body, you're starting to experience like intense negative emotion and intense, like just general, I'm upset by this. And it's just about something that is natal to you. So with a, like the stereotypical and traditional version of gender dysphoria would be a trans woman looking and seeing her penis where she knows that's where her vagina should be. Mm -hmm. And it's that cognitive dissonance between 
I'm seeing what is there and I know that's not what should be there. Okay. And so it causes a significant amount of psychological and emotional distress. Mm-hmm. Okay. And by taking hormones, it starts to relieve that feeling. And sometimes without ha- feeling like you need to go all the way through a surgery or, or a g- gender affirming surgery situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hormones can start to do the, the, small things. So, um, as I get a little bit further on my hormones, I'm only about a one month in, mm-hmm. um, but my skin is going to start changing smaller pores, less oily. My hair is going to start uh, changing a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, even apparently the smell of your body will start to change a little bit. Body hair starts to change. Um, and probably the biggest thing that hormones does for people is it starts to shift the appearance of their body overall. So it'll shift fat deposits into the gynoid region, which is going to be like the hips starting to shift you a little bit closer towards that um, hourglass figure, or at least a more rectangular figure instead of that um, V shape that traditional males have. Mm -hmm. And it can start that fat redisplacement. That is usually the number one thing that people are looking for whenever they are looking into hormones. Mm-hmm. That's what I was looking for. Cause Oh my God, when, yeah. my, <laughs> when my estrogen started dropping, things got real fucking weird real quick. I was like, what is going on with my body? And that, so it's a very different experience I know, but it is fascinating how, how much of an effect adding hormones can have just to your quality of life, especially if, you know, in a trans person's uh, experience, they're feeling so deposited upon the earth in the wrong physical state, you know, so anything. And that- there's not a lot of research done into the actual effects that being on hormones can have on your mental health. There's a lot of like right in your face. The first thing you look up whenever you start to look up, mental health and hormones is, oh, well, if you have, uh, if you start taking estrogen because your estrogen is going up, you could have more depression, you could have more anxiety. And it starts to only focus on like the stereotypically negative components of Mm -hmm. estrogen or the stereotypically negative components of testosterone. You could be more irritable. Um, and the research that has been done on, Hey, I've just started hormones and even before there have been any physical changes there's already been an emotional or a psychological change um i know personally i have um comorbid diagnoses of i'm a recovered anorexic sober alcoholic um bipolar type 2 and ptsd and so i have severe anxiety is probably the worst thing that i deal with um like on a consistent basis being on hormones i noticed a very quick shift in my anxiety in general and my emotions as a whole it feels like my emotions are less surface level volatile and I feel them slower and more deeply. And it is this dramatic change that I've tried tons and tons and tons of different uh, psychotherapeutic medications and none of them have caused the shift like this. And I think that that is something that it is a disservice that is being done, not looking into the medical components of this, because if I could just be on estrogen, if that would be effective, then I would be taking two instead of six medications. Mm -hmm. I attribute that to the research and the science around especially hormones that don't fit the cis norm 
I, I, I feel like it's, it's, you know, you've got cis males that run the world of science and approach um, sexuality from this very conventional viewpoint. And I've, I've done a lot of research also on hormones and treatments for people that aren't cis males. And I've been like shocked at the reality versus what is all over. Like you go to the internet and you search it. It's like, oh, this always the bad, bad stuff is put out front. And what isn't shared are the uh, so many stories about the relief it brings mental health, uh, like soul deep peace it can bring to people. Um, It's such a disservice. And it's, yeah, I can, I can go on for hours about the <laughs> healthcare world for anybody and everybody except for white cis males is just fucking, it's awful. It's not cool. Um, so before we move on to now, like talking about getting to the banging, um, first of all, let's have a cheers to just getting to be together and talk again. Cheers. And then uh, we're going to take a quick little break and we will be back after this message. In the interest of helping my listeners achieve more orgasms, I'm partnering with the sustainable sex toy company, Love Not War, and gifting each of you a 20% discount on all of their products, including their vibrators with exchangeable heads and the Koi, which is the world's most sustainable wand. All you have to do to add these innovative and earth-friendly toys to your toy box at 20% off is head to their website, l-n-w.com, and enter my special code, LRT20 at checkout. That's l-n-w.com and the 20% discount code LRT20. Look, I just know you're going to love these vibes. I certainly do. Cheers. All right, let's talk about banging. I want to talk about sex. I want to talk about getting dirty in the bedroom. So we've had a sexy conversation. We've talked, um, my partner has told me they want their body parts talked about in a certain way. Um, and clothes are coming off. I want to talk about the different ways. Well, let's, I'm going to let you guide this conversation. What do you think is the first thing uh, I need to know after that when I'm getting naked and we start touching? We'll be right back. Start the new year off with a bang. My code explores 15 gets you 15% off womanizer.com's famous pleasure air text sex toys. You know, the clit satisfying sucking sensation that guarantees explosive orgasms. Just go to womanizer.com and check out my personal favorite, the Womanizer Duo 2. Get ready for blended orgasms or the premium two. Womanizer.com has something for you, whether you are seeking clitastic satisfaction, blended orgasms, or explosive G-spot experiences. Just shop womanizer.com and use my code EXPLORES15 at checkout for 15% off. That's 15% off all womanizer.com products with my code EXPLORES15 at checkout. Cheers. So I think the first thing after we've already established this like general vocabulary that we should be using and um, for clarity's sake, whenever I'm referring to like 
my cock, dig, whatever, I am referring to my quote male penis mm-hmm. uh, when referring to like my chest. Um, it's always pecs or chest whenever it's like in a sexy situation. But like if my partner's just like hitting on me and like hitting on my pecs because like I have grabbable male pecs, he will then refer to them as my titties. As your but titties. like, yeah, that's like the only time that we do use that language. So even whenever you do start to get into that bedroom talk, there are some words that it's kind of like, okay, well, whenever we're not having sex, yeah, you can refer to them as my titties, my tits, whatever. But whenever we are having sex, mm, I don't have a woman's body. I don't have a man's body. I just have a body. Mm -hmm. And so really the only gendered thing that I do refer to my own body is my penis. Mm -hmm. Um, Just to give a better understanding whenever I'm talking about my personal experiences. Yeah. But... The first thing is to have that conversation of like, let's assess the situation. Let's see what equipment we're using. Right. Like once the clothes do come off, because you don't want to go in like full throttle on like an enlarged clit after somebody has been on testosterone because yeah, it gets bigger, but it also stays close to a sensitive. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the clit may get to the point where you can suck the clit like a dick, but it might not feel good to suck it the same way. So that's whenever you can kind of say like, Hey, I want to X, Y, and Z with whatever verbiage. So like, I want to suck your clit. Right. Or if you have a trans man that refers to it as his dick, I want to suck your dick. Well, even though it's called the same thing, you can't necessarily treat it the same. Right. So you can either kind of go in if you already have that kind of rapport with your partner of like, let's just tentatively explore things while doing check-ins. So it's always a good idea to say like, okay, I'm going to grab it for a second. Okay. Is that good? Okay. Well now I'm going to lick it. Okay. Is that good? Especially because you even can get people who have the same like body parts, like not really any changes. And there's going to be these huge differences. Some people like with penises, you can stimulate the head and it just gets them to that point of like, okay, it's shocking their nerves. But it's not like getting to the point where it's overwhelmingly painful. Right. So it's whenever you're starting to to feel things out. If you haven't been there before, just kind of explore, walk around the town. Right. Don't just go sprinting into the town square. <laughs> right. So you can. That's when you can start to like get into what is now my probably favorite part in sex, which is the like erotic teasing at the mm-hmm. beginning. Foreplay is when you can really start to explore what areas are good to go in. Because if it's good in foreplay, then that's kind of the green light or at least a yellow light to say, okay, I can explore this a little bit more when it comes to more intense sex. And I don't know why. I mean, with my partner and I, it took us forever. I don't, it took us like nearly two years to really get a hold of this whole like, wait, we can just sit there and like tease each other and like, really realize, oh, wait, that's just hot. Mm-hmm. And so you always think that like, oh, this this very sensual teasing, like, oh, I'm just going to like rub my thumb over your clit or over your dick, really gently, barely touching it, that, okay, that's just in movies. Well, no, that, that might be like the one thing that movies kind of do right. Right. Is like yeah, the sensuality. It's, so, like, it's sensuality. Yeah. yeah. Uh, everything gets better when it, you, it, you get more into it. 
I agree. What if it gets more interesting? I agree. I think that is something that is really missing from um, a lot of sexual experiences is exploring each other's body in a way that's sensual. And I, I don't know what that is, if, if that's just socialization and we don't see enough of it, or it takes a certain level of vulnerability, though. Um, I think, thinking about it, that when you just dive into sex really quick, especially for anyone who's uncomfortable with their own bodies as a woman, like a lot of women I know, including myself, um, experience um, the body dysmorphia, feeling too fat, being ashamed of, you know, like uncomfortable with my own body because it doesn't necessarily look like what the conventional beauty standards that I've seen are. And so if you go into a sensual experience where you're slowly taking off clothes and people are really lo- like really looking at you in detail, that is such a fucking vulnerable place to be. Yeah. And it's very hard. And I know for myself, like I've got to be in a good frame of mind to do that. Otherwise, as that sensuality is taking place, this conversation in my head is happening, which is very much like, oh my God, are they noticing my like fat roll? Are they seeing mm-hmm. that? You know what I mean? All the flaws that I pick up um, myself apart with. And I can only assume that there must be <clears throat> some of that happen that happens for um, trans and non-binary folks as well. Yeah, and that's actually a really good opportunity for like i know one of the um positions that like my partner and i have two tried and true positions that we know like they will always get the job done Mm -hmm. and that's always with me writing and always in missionary those are our two like it sounds so vanilla and boring but like (laughs) it works right it is like a science but for the longest time i was like yeah i i really enjoy missionary as well but how how two male-bodied individuals usually have to enjoy sex in missionary position. As the bottom, you start to get a little a little scrunched. And right. whenever you get scrunched, you start getting those stomach folds. Mm-hmm. And you don't look as like, oh, I'm just so ridiculously thin as I am whenever like I can sit up nice and tall. I can elongate and arch my back, make right. my ass pop out. And so you're like, I just look like like a mushy bean. Yeah, but like don't look say, down. Like, yeah, <laughs> like we always have sex with the lights on, but maybe this is the one time we're going to turn the lights off. Right. But that's an opportunity to say, hey, you really like this position. I don't feel too cute in it because it took an accidental instance of that where he was walking up and I was already in that position. He was like, you look so hot when you're like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, you really think I am? And so once we were able to just have that, like, one confirmation that, like, oh, wait, he's really into this position, not only, like, to have sex in, but what it looks like. Right. So whenever you can communicate that to your partner that you're like, yeah, I don't feel so great in that position, that gives your partner the opportunity to say, oh, well, one, I didn't realize that. And two, I think you look hot in this position. And so that can kind of start to, like, fight back against that inner dialogue that you're going to keep having. Right. Because I know that is... Definitely what for the longest time was happening to me. Right. So a lot of um, reaffirming conversations, words for partners who might feel vulnerable. It's helpful. What about asking for that? Like, I don't know. 
I, I think about this a lot because I think about the things that stop me in bed a lot, which are getting in my head about what it looks like and in comparison to what I've seen, you know, what everybody sees on TV and says, or even in porn. And, um, I mean, there is a lot of amateur porn out there that makes me feel real fucking good about myself. But, um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like the porn that everybody talks about and thinks about with these quote, perfect, conventionally beautiful bodies in these positions that when you try to do them, it does not come out looking the same at all. Um, so looking, I don't know, how do, do you vocalize to your partner that you need, you know, um, reassurance or what do you do in those situations? We'll be right back. Kick off the new year with a jaw-dropping 30% off of some of the hottest sex toys and my favorite, Gleam Lube, with code EXPLORERS30 when you shop thethruster.com. Known as the home of the incredible build-your-own-thruster prime, thethruster.com is also partnered with lassiere.com, where you'll find gorgeous vibrating steel toys, and boutiquevoila.com, where you can grab a vibrating lipstick, a rubber ducky that gets lucky, or even get pounded by... Thor's hammer, literally, all for 30% off with code EXPLORES30. Just head to thethruster.com where you'll find The Thruster, Lassier, and Boutique Voila and enjoy 30% off your site-wide purchases with code EXPLORES30 at checkout. Cheers. Well, I am both needy as a person and require constant affirmation. Yeah. So that lays up really good groundwork. But also, like, when it comes to the bed, I'm also a brat. Right. So, like, those kind of just work hand in hand together. Right. Um. But, yeah, whenever, especially at the beginning, whenever we were first really banging out, the banging out. Right. Um. And figuring out what worked and what worked best, that's whenever I was able to say like, hey, uh, I don't like this position as much because of this. And sometimes it was, yeah, it felt great. I just felt stupid in it. And that's where we could say like either usually one of two things. One, oh, well, I actually think you look really hot in it. Mm -hmm. Then that's a, oh, okay, well then next time we do this, I can keep reminding myself that, oh, wait, he's really into this. Right. He thinks I look hot, even though I don't. And guess what? You don't have to fuck you. Right. In the words of Trixie Mattel, I don't have to fuck you. <laughs> oh, and I think that is like one of the most empowering things to remember is it's not your business what your partner thinks of you because they're the ones dealing with you. Right. They're the ones that are attracted. So can, can I ask you how has your sex life what is your what does your sex life look like <laughs> how do you fuck yeah. and i mean and has it changed as you've been on your own journey um because you and your partner i don't is a is a cis male is that correct yeah okay um and you have and you've said you you have a male body or you have a no you did not say that you said you just have a body but you do consider call your cock a yeah cock. it is a, a male body a male body yeah. okay great i just wanted to make sure um so what does that look like for you how how is it different than if it were just to you know 
um, two gay dudes fucking. How is it different with him and then you as a non-binary uh, trans person? So I, I'm lucky in the sense at this point that it is not too terribly different. Right. So to set up the framework for it, I'm going into the relationship. I would consider myself versatile, both top and bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, now at this point, I would consider myself a verse bottom mm-hmm. in that like I would top, but my partner is just a top. So I only bottom. Mm-hmm. And the funniest thing is going into this relationship before even realizing that this is kind of the situation that was being set up. I always thought I could never be in a long-term relationship where I only bottomed. I did not think that. Yeah. Can you explain to the listeners what that means? I mean, our listener, I have not talked about obviously topping and bottoming with two male bodies because. Yeah. Yeah. It's not been. Um, So uh, topping and bottoming, it kind of can't, it's basically you have three houses of gay. You mm-hmm. have the house of top, the house of bottom, and the house of versatile or verse. Mm-hmm. Um, usually somebody who says, I top, means that they only give. Penetrate. So it would be, yes. Um, so a top would usually be the one that does the penetrating in okay. anal sex. Yes. If you're saying, oh, I'm a oral top, that means that you're the one getting your dick sucked. Okay, okay. But you can start to really get in that specific. Usually it matters most whenever you're talking about um, like anal penetrative sex right. is whenever it's like considered like quote most important to find out if somebody's a top, a bottom or verse right. verse. They do both. They both take and receive anally mm-hmm. and then bottoms only receive. Okay. So the bottoms are the ones that are only penetrated and uh, people can have different reasons why so Mm -hmm. this can kind of also start to play into that conversation with um trans individuals i never thought i could just bottom because i didn't think that at least the sex i was having it was not good enough to only bottom right right and now because that requires relationship that requires you having an orgasm just from the penetrative sex that you're receiving is that correct it doesn't have to be just. Okay. So um, we usually call it a hands-free orgasm where I do come or the bottom does come from just the penis inserted into the anus. And that can either be a result from um, like the stimulation on the sphincter. It can mm-hmm. come from the pressure put on the prostate. Or even when you're doing it, if nobody's actively touching your penis – it's still going to rub against some things. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's always important to just throw some lube on it just for fun, even if you're not actively using it. Right. And you can have an orgasm just from that stimulation. But as a bottom, you can still only orgasm. uh, Like an orgasm would be an option for a bottom where it's you're taking it in the ass and either you or your partner is manually stimulating your penis. Okay. All right. Yeah. And or you could get like one of those. I've been looking at sex toys that are, um, they're like cock sleeves. You can just like yeah, put like them a, on there and let them suck away. Yeah. They have ones that they have super expensive ones Yeah, that are like several hundred dollars mm-hmm. that it looks like a small car engine that you're setting on your lap. Yep. Um, they have ones that you just kind of slip over the head of the penis and it vibrates. 
They have ones that it's fully manual where it looks like a flashlight, yes. aka flashlight, flashlight or a flesh jack. Um, and you have all these options that you can start to use. And a lot of them do feel ridiculously good and ridiculously similar to the actual experience of topping. So mm-hmm. that can be a workaround if you're somebody who is verse or a verse bottom and still wants that experience. But it's also very easy to pigeonhole yourself and say, well, no, since I'm not just a bottom, I can never be happy just bottoming. Right. Because I am having the best sex that I ever had just bottoming. Best orgasms, best sex overall. And I'm going to attribute a lot of that to my partner, not just saying that he's a sex god. Because like, (laughs) sure, I consider him to be one. But it's because we have this open line of communication where we're always asking, okay, what's, this is a great thing to do to pleasure you. Okay. Now what's the next great thing? What's the next better thing? And uh, that kind of leaves room for like, it's never going to get stagnant because we're always looking for something to do out like to do next. Right. Right. Hey folks, I will be putting links to some of these cock sucking stroking fucking toys in the description below Um, maybe i'll just put a whole article together i have yet to get to try them so maybe after um we finish this up you and i can have a an extra conversation that is going to go on my patreon so you will have to head over there there for whatever we discuss after the show um all right so that that that's helpful so ever you explain the different is a top bottom verse. Now, this of course is going to be unique for each trans person who has or had what they called a penis at one point in time, like how mm-hmm. they want that to look, how they want their uh, cock or lady dick to be touched and used. Now, um, I know maybe this isn't your specialty, but I do want to talk about um, trans women and the reading I've done and. I'm sure that you have far more uh, knowledge in this area too. I think uh, so trans women, and I don't know if it's the same for trans men. I'm curious on your perspective. I know trans women are super fetishized by specifically cis males. Um, And I've done some reading on that. And, you know, I've certainly seen heard it so on and so forth and 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 i've seen how it affects trans um, women i think there is this idea in the cis uh heterosexual community that a trans woman wants her genitalia used like like her cock used like a cock like there's just this assumption Mm -hmm. it's basically you know they're like trans women are basically women with boobs and a penis and so you get the bonus of both and that's not it's it's a this kind of gross fetishization yeah um and my understanding and you know there was there was a trans woman that i once there was some flirtation going on and we had some conversations uh nothing ever moved forward but she did indicate that while she still had a penis she wouldn't want it used in 
the way a traditional a traditional penis would be used for penetrative sex. <laughs> she wouldn't want it treated like a cock. She didn't refer to it as a cock. She referred to it as her clit. Um, and I, I kind of want to talk about that, these assumptions. And with trans women, um, should someone have an opportunity to be with a trans woman that, you know, whatever you're seeing on porn is not accurate or don't assume that's how to proceed with a trans woman. So I don't know. I'd love some of your insight on that topic. Yeah, absolutely. I would definitely say like, yeah, trans, um, trans people in general are overtly fetishized. Mm -hmm. I would definitely agree that it's a lot of the time trans women who receive the brunt of it because they're the ones who have to deal with gross cishet men. Yeah. And that's where the majority of this fetishization comes from. And even as a trans non-binary person, a lot of the time people think I'm, quote, just a trans woman. And I right. say just being that my identity is a little bit more complex than that. Right. Um, and even whenever people just perceive me to be a trans woman, I get that same fetishization that a trans woman would be getting. Right. And it's even happened with my own patients before. Right. And it's, it really is, I think we kind of talked about this a little bit last time, how it's whenever it shifts from being a person you're having sex with to an object you're having sex with. And there's also a difference in having sex, wanting to be like, oh yeah, use me. Like, I'm just an object, mm -hmm. which is consensual. Right. And saying like, yeah, treat me like that even though we have this underlying understanding that both of us know that's not how you actually feel about me. Right. Versus whenever somebody is not only treating you like that, but communicating to you that that is how they view you. Right. Right. And I think that making sure when you, well, go into sex with anyone, but we are specifically talking about trans people. And I want to specifically talk about um, trans femmes, trans women, um, yeah, they aren't objects. They're humans. Ask about how to tell, just like, you know, I feel like as a cis woman, I expect like, don't just shove your fingers in my pussy. Don't just make these assumptions about how to approach my body. I will shut you down so fucking fast. Don't just, <laughs> you know, um, you know, and I, and I think obviously a trans woman is going to be in many ways, more likely more vulnerable than me. Um, in so many ways, safety from life being, you know, there are so many hate crimes and murders and violence towards trans women that's leveled up from what a cis woman experiences. So a lot of the reading I've done is said uh, not to just assume they want to have penetrative sex with their cock, meaning they may not want to top you, sir. <laughs> You know, yeah. ask ahead of time and don't assume she wants to do that. She may want you to treat her penis like a clit. And that's what you need to do because you are with a woman, period. I mean, I think that's maybe the big piece that, you know, when we say trans woman, it creates a separation. When you are going to have sex with a trans woman, you're having sex with a woman. So I maybe that's where I, I think especially cis men need to like alter their thought process. You know? Yeah. Just like with and a woman, you'd have even... to ask a woman to peg you. So you yeah, need to ask. To say, right. That is the thing. That, that kind of perpetuates this idea mm -hmm. that you can't even 
that you don't need to do that mm-hmm. with a cis woman just because she's cis. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, no, just because she's a cis woman with a vagina doesn't mean she's necessarily a bottom. Sometimes the way she gets off is she only tops. Yes, she gets sir. That strap out and she goes to town. <laughs> Indeed. So you need to ask that with cis people too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just like you would ask a woman, a cis woman to um, peg you, you need to ask a trans woman if they're into that. They may very well not be into that at all. So don't go into it thinking um, that's what you're going to do. And I think that the same as uh, if you are a lesbian or a queer cis woman and you are going to have sex with a trans woman, don't assume that it's going to equal penetrative sex with a trans woman using their lady dick or their cock should they have one or both. Yeah. And I think in I back in that moment, it was several years ago when I was like, cons- you know, trying to feel out if I was attracted to this woman, if there was something going on, I experienced a lot of like, and it's kind of weird. And that's why I want to have this conversation. I am very obviously sexually open, not afraid of talking. But in that moment, I was very much like, I don't, would I, would I use her cock to penetrate me? What would that look like? And, and if that's not what she's into, am I into, you know, whatever, what would that mean? Would she want me to penetrate her? How would that look? And there was just all, all of this sort of panic jumbled questioning, um, that made me, back off. Yeah. The, I mean, to be honest, to be, I'm, and I am trying to use the, this opportunity when we have these conversations, Jay, to be really honest, because I want to uh, be honest with what I've experienced, how I've reacted, which I'm not always happy or proud of. I should have had conversations. I didn't know how to have the conversations. I stumble in these conversations with you, but I think that that's the beginning of how things get better. Right. Yeah. So, um, all right, let's talk about more, uh, more sex positions. Let's what, so you said some of your favorite are missionary. Yeah. Our two favorites are go to missionary and then, um, where the bottom is riding. Right. On on top. top. Yeah. And it's, I always, a lot of people recommend starting out with missionary, something where the bottom can just kind of sit and focus on relaxing, especially if they're not used to receiving. Right. Um, going straight to top where I'm immediately sitting on top. That's helpful to me. And I know that's helpful to a lot of people who do bottom because that gives you control. Right. I'm in control of how quickly this goes in and how much goes in at a time. Right. So it's, it's always a like, okay, well, this is what's recommended. Well, that's not necessarily what's always going to work for each person. Right. So if I would have gone with this idea of like, oh, this is like the quote easiest way to start out, then I would have never figured out that, oh, wait, this is the way that works best for my body. And even internally speaking, whenever you're having sex with somebody who does have a penis um, or was given a penis at birth, they're probably going to have a prostate. And everybody's prostate is positioned a little bit differently. Everybody's penis is shaped a little bit differently. So that's whenever you really start need to need to explore these poses for, okay, how can I best target that prostate if that is some sort of stimulation that the person that is bottoming enjoys? Right. Um, some people don't like too much prostate stimulation, too much pressure. 
So a lot of the positions where you're being penetrated from behind. Um, so like doggy style, it can be a little bit intense and that's not one that we particularly enjoy. There's also other positions where you're being penetrated from behind, but both people are laying face down one Mm -hmm. on top of the other. That one can be a great one because it's an opportunity for the penis to stimulate the prostate, but not in an as direct kind of way. But like not it, everybody's not, gonna be able to it yeah, won't go too not just far like into punching. Dude, I yeah, understand just, that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not just Mike Tyson that prostate. Right. Some people like that, some people don't. I think this is interesting because what it comes down to, if you, all right, and of course there are different configurations, different genders with different genders, but if you are, let's say, uh, either a cis male, uh, with a, with a cis male, if you are a cis male and you are with a trans woman, um, who still has their lady dick, um, or you're a lesbian, or a queer woman who is going to be with a trans woman, maybe anatomy is where we need to start. Because, you yeah. know, when we think of having sex with cis women, everyone knows about the G spot and how to get it. We're starting to learn about the P spot. We're starting to learn about where the, how big the clitoris is and how it can be stimulated in different ways. However, really, when we talk about penetrating a trans woman, um, I, I mean, I kind of know where the prostate is, but I'm not, I'm not nearly as familiar with it as I am with if I'm going into it. I'm very confident going into it with another woman, but with a trans woman, that's just going to be a whole different learning curve. It's the same approach, right? It's penetrative sex. Uh, it's, we want the same end goal, um, but it's going to look very different than if I am penetrating a cis woman. And so it kind of starts with like, start to know a trans woman's anatomy and pleasure spots as well as you know, a cis woman's and then approach it angle wise, toy wise from there. Yeah, that's where you can turn it into like a sexy show and tell. Mm -hmm. Like, get your partner if they don't have any experience being with somebody who has a prostate. Mm -hmm. Say, okay, come here finger me and I'll show you where that prostate is. And that's whenever you can start to say like, oh yeah, you feel that that's my prostate. And that like in and of itself can be a very erotic experience. Right. And like, it sounds like getting into that whole, like, oh, do you feel that that is anatomically known as the prostate? Like it doesn't have to be this like cold disconnected medical exam. Yeah. Yeah. It can get real sexy real fast. Yes, I agree. Yeah, it's that's kind of that's a fun way to look at it. Um, yeah, just understanding the difference in anatomy and what where, where the sexy areas are and how to get to them. That would be a really fun process. Uh, I I definitely have in my relationships uh, enjoyed anal play stimulation, sex with all different genders and receiving and giving. Um, but I'm, you know, still, it's not the same. I don't have that same knowledge set as I would approaching. I know the vagina a lot better. (laughs) I'm just saying. Um, so then the next step is understanding how to stimulate the actual, uh, lady dick or cock 
according to what somebody wants. And yeah, I bet you can scissor. I bet that would be really hot. Maybe I'm going to put that on my bucket list. I have a sex bucket (laughs) list going. It sounds like a great one to be on the bucket list, honestly. (gasps) One of the ones we just added recently. Oh, this is what I want to ask you about next. Is So I, I, on my Patreon, I just uploaded my first boob sex experience. We did a podcast. My friend Ruby and I did a podcast on boob sex. She has giant tits and is really into booby fucking. (laughs) I do not. And I did give it a go and... Well, you'll have to go to the Patreon to listen. Um, but uh, what was brought up, I believe, uh, by our resident lesbian was humping a boob. Like humping a boob. And I was like, damn, that sounds really hot, actually. So now I'm like thinking, I think it would be really sexy to scissor a lady dick or a, a lady dick. That's what we decided we're going with for yeah yeah i mean that would be very similar yeah. except different but might feel similar anyways i'm putting it on my book list <laughs> i want to scissor a lady dick <sighs> is that inappropriate am i being rude am i being misogynistic I by so. saying that it just sounds really hot to me saying I mean, especially if your partner likes it to be referred to i think it only becomes a problem whenever somebody t- tells you like Hey, I don't want you to call it this and you continue to do it. Oh, oh trust me, I will not be throwing that one down without yeah. permission. I can use it yeah. with you freely because we are we're in this conversation, but I would not. I'm pretty careful. Like the last thing I want to do is get in trouble for like calling something something inappropriate. I definitely ask consent about all that shit ahead of time. I might no. I've actually gotten a lot of comments on how I ask for consent with lots of things up front, and I've learned to do it in a very sexy way. Very, I think so. I got compliments. I've gotten compliments. so, um, but yeah, don't don't just run around calling calling body parts lady dicks, folks, without asking. And and certainly don't say, well, I was listening to this feminist podcast, <laughs> so I know it's okay, and then referring them to me. Please don't do that. <laughs> I don't need that. Um, so let's see. How about sex toys? More sex toys. Do you have yeah. some favorites you'd like to share? So I think it's a good idea to kind of have like your base equipment, like in every toolkit. I don't know. I don't yeah. do handy person things around the house that's my partner's job right but like i would assume in most toolkits it's good to have like a hammer nails screwdriver drill yes screws so like just something to cover the bases yes. so a cock ring for example somebody who does have a lady dick or a um, mm-hmm. trans non-binary individual who does want to top but is on hormones mm-hmm. um they could have that difficulty getting erect staying erect um, that's whenever you can use a cock ring that can help keep that blood in that penis mm-hmm. and make it easier to top. Yeah. Um, kind of going on what we had mentioned earlier using, um, like a cock sleeve, a pocket pussy, um, using, I think the two most common ones are going to be like a fleshlight mm-hmm. or the gay version, which would be a flesh jack. Mm-hmm. Is just modeled after an actual vagina. One is modeled after an uh, anus. Right. Um, oh. And those are really good ways where you can even simulate bottoming or topping without having to do it. Mm-hmm. So as somebody who is verse, sure, I'd like to top every once in a while. 
well, that's not going to happen if my partner doesn't want to. And that's fine because I'm not going to want to do something that you're not going to enjoy or that's even going to cause you discomfort. But that's whenever you can take that flesh lighter, flesh jack, pocket pussy, cock sleeve, whatever you want to use and hold it in between your legs right? and use it as if that is your hole. Right. And it sounds like it could be like, oh, silly, I'm just holding this piece of plastic between my legs. Why would that be? No, it gets real hot. Yeah. I mean, why would that be any different than putting a dildo on? It's like the opposite version of wearing yeah. a strap on. That would be fucking hot. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. And that's something that you can also use if you do have a partner who's verse or not even verse, but likes that very intense penile stimulation because you can be topping them while also using like a flashlight on them. Right. And then that just gets like mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds hot. That makes sense. So the cock ring in case also, I think I, I once saw, I saw, I mean, I had sex with somebody who had there are le- <laughs> leather cock rings that you actually just yeah. buckle around the cock. Yeah. Now, this for me, it did not do anything for me, but visually speaking, fucking super hot to look at. Yeah. So I bet you you can get all versions of pretty cock rings, jewelry, cock oh, yeah. jewelry, lady dick jewelry. Anyways, um, and. Huh? Today I'd like to pitch to you. I know, right? Today I'd like to pitch to you Lady Dick Jewelry. Shit. Now I don't I know mean, if I can publish that's... this because I'm thinking that that might be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um no, but the it was like the visual stimulation and I mean I stopped in the moment and I was like, "Holy shit. That's yeah. hot." Um and then um, there's a cock ring by Fun Factory. It is very popular. I use it. I have it. Uh, it is in my toolkit. Um, it's called the Nose, N O S, and it also has um, kind of a two pronged head that sticks out and vibrates. Mm-hmm. So it delivers vibrating vibration to everybody involved, and it is awesome for uh, simultaneous orgasms. I have had. For me, simultaneous orgasms are very challenging, and that cock ring was fucking amazing for it. So I could see how that would be fun with all sorts of, whether it's a cock or a lady dick. Um, I will offer a word of caution. I would Mm. say that the materials that the cock ring is made of kind of changes, whether that's like an easy, intermediate, or advanced cock ring. Right. So like... I would not suggest starting out with like a steel cock ring. Those are pretty advanced to use. And the easiest, probably safest ones. um, Yeah, the leather buckling ones, super easy and safe. You can pop them off really quickly. Right. um, If something starts to go wrong, if it's your first time using one. Um, But it's not going to give you like as much constriction. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people will stick and it's easier to clean a like silicone cock ring yeah and you can get them of different um like thickness the thicker they are the more compressive they're going to be or if you want one that just kind of is snug enough to apply some pressure Mm -hmm. that's really where you can get that perfect fit cinderella cock ring a cinderella cock ring again trademarked right here (laughs) that being said maybe a glass cock ring isn't the best idea nope nope 
Oh, God. Lord, that could get ugly <laughs> fast. I do like glass toys, though. I like, yes. uh, I love um, glass uh, butt plugs. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely over steel. Um, and dildos and anything like you want to use, I would imagine would be great for exploring, stimulating um, the prostate. I've like, yeah. I love glasses. So you put a little bit lube of lube on it. I like things to start out cold. Some people don't like that, but then it warms to your body temperature really well. So kind of like if you want to explore internal body parts, whether anally or vaginally, I think glass is a great option as well. And maybe that's kind of one of the important things to do when you are with a trans person or somebody, a new body that you aren't familiar with is using toys to really explore and find the right pressure points before you get into the actual, we are fucking part. Um, there, I think we're, that's kind of what we've been talking about all along is the essential exploration up front. So you start to get familiar with, new territory before you like go all in yeah and i would say probably one of the like if we want to go like full-on like kinky advanced maybe like a violet wand would be like the advanced version of wanting to explore Mm -hmm. like those erogenous zones what is a violet wand i don't yeah that's going to be um you know those like balls from the early 2000s that like would shoot the little like plasma strings yeah. on the glass and you touch the glass it's like one of those but made into almost a wand form or kind of like a little mm-hmm. stick with a bulb on the end mm-hmm. and so it'll give that almost static shock mm-hmm. it, it's something that it sounds a little bit intense for my taste and so i don't have any personal experience with it but it seems like something that would have a lot of potential to like act like as a metal detector for like the most sensitive mm-hmm. and erogenous zones. But a staple that I'm dying to add to our toolkit would be some sort of like magic vibrator, personal massager, yeah. um, like a Hitachi magic wand. And I know that's something that a lot of trans women and people who are on estrogen have discovered, oh, wait, that's kind of like my now go-to way of getting off. Right. That's the thing that I need now. And that they're not used to that because with a penis – you're not used to wanting or knowing that that kind of stimulation is something that is your go-to because with a penis, the standard like go-to is I put it in something Mm -hmm. and that means feel good. Let me tell you something. The magic wand, of course I have one is uh, almost every woman's (laughs) go-to. Yeah. We just uh, actually, summed up pride month with a podcast on queer sex and and i brought in my queer girlfriends and lucy who's our resident dominatrix i was like so what's your go-to what do you want someone to know will get you off no matter what and i was expecting her i really was hoping for some of her kinky stuff and she's like magic wand (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was like, well, that's boring. We all know that. But um, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. So maybe so the toys start to even turn over for people as they're transitioning yeah. or as they've transitioned, what they would typically use switches a little bit. Uh, so always bring a magic wand. Period. It's it's like a hammer. It's good for anything. It literally is. It is the hammer of the sex toy box 
toolbox, the sex toy toolbox, the hammer. <laughs> the magic wand is the hammer of the sex toy toolbox. I got it. I got it. My visual went for my head. Fast. Oh, God, I can't. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Um, all right. I think it is that time. I feel like we could talk about this forever because I mean, I, in my mind, just want to go through every configuration of, of different, uh, genders of people with different genders of people and what that looks like and all the different, um, sexual positions. And, but I knew for this podcast, just fitting, um, some very, some, good, strong basics into place to start with uh, was what we were going to do. And I think that's all we have time for. But Jay, before we, I usually do the summary. Obviously, I like to hear myself talk. So I often do the summaries of the the podcast and, and what we've talked about. So people have those takeaways at the end to like leave with and start using immediately. I would like you to sort of summarize the things that people should take away from this podcast and they can start using immediately in their own sexual journey. So go for it. I would say that number one rule of thumb that you can use is see a pussy, say a pussy. If it looks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, just call it a duck. If you don't have the chance to talk beforehand about, hey, what would you like me to call your penis? Is, is it actually your penis or is it your clit? And that is kind of where we can get that baseline. From there, it's super important to kind of feel out, feel out the equipment you're working with. Yeah. Um, kind of explore it. Take even like five minutes of foreplay on your partner just to kind of calibrate all the instruments will be the good baseline that you need to start having great sex. Because that's whenever you can kind of bridge that gap. Because even if it is something that you've worked with before, it's going to run a little bit differently. Then from there, that's whenever you can start to think about, okay, how are we going to arrange this? What kind of Tetris are we playing? And it's always a good idea to go first to what's best for your body, even if it's not what is stereotypically advised as the quote easiest way to start out having sex so maybe for you sitting on it at first is the easiest thing to do start out that way that way everybody can kind of ease into the situation then you can start going for like the Cirque du Soleil shit that you want to get to um, and then finally I would say have a well-rounded toolkit something that you can kind of have like a sexual first aid kit, this is what I can use in any situation. My partner is having difficulty keeping it hard to have penetrative sex, so let me whip out that cock ring. My partner wants that stimulation like they're topping somebody, but in this particular situation, they're not going to top anybody, so get out that that pocket pussy, that cock sleeve. Maybe we can't get full orgasm from just sex stimulation. Whip out the tried and true wand and just go to town. You did a good job. That's the whole conversation <laughs> in just like a couple of minutes. Thank you so much for joining me for all the folks out there. If you have questions for Jay, me, um, and you want to take this conversation further, you'd like us to take this conversation further, please email me at Annette, A-N-N-E-T-T-E at sheexploreslife.com. Keep 
checking back for Jay's articles. They are going to be sharing their wisdom with us and giving us some guides to being inclusive in our sex lives and being able to create more connections with more people in our life. So stay tuned. Social media, you can find me at Being Benedetti on Instagram. You can find She Explores Life at She Explores Life on Instagram, Facebook, Locker Room Talk and Shots, Instagram, Facebook, and I'm over I'm over on TikTok talk at as locker room talk and shots tiktok shadow bounds me a lot though <laughs> my content my content is a little too much but you can go over there and find me and hang out with me and in, in the shadows so until next time jay thank you so much for joining me again and i will see you guys in the locker room cheers <laughs> Bring sexy back in 2024 with hot lingerie, sensual body products, and adventurous sex toys from lovehoney.com, all at a 15% discount with code EXPLORES15. Embrace your inner bombshell with their gorgeous bra and panty sets, baby dolls, and corsets. Then explore your desires with their line of toys that range from vanilla is my flavor to tie me up and call me good girl daddy. And don't forget to treat yourself to a massage candle or essential body oil, all for 15% off with code EXPLORES15 when you shop lovehoney.com. That's right, 15% off on lingerie, sex toys, and more when you shop lovehoney.com and use code EXPLORES15 at checkout. Cheers.